listening to Fox Sports Radio. 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 Well, good evening, greetings, and salutations, and thanks for joining us tonight. It's that time of week again, and we've got a uh, fun show for you tonight. Uh, The beauty of sports, well, come on. It's the greatest reality show, and you can script everything but the ending. And on that note, welcome back to another award-winning edition of Straight Out of Vegas, the weekend adaptation. I'm Bernie Frano. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you could save on your auto insurance. What else are you going to do with your phone for the next few minutes? Look at pictures of food your friends ate again? Call 1-888-FARMERS for a quote. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. We are one week away from Selection Sunday, and so tonight we take a deep dive into the significance of Selection Sunday and why it means so much to Americans. And in about 15 minutes, we'll be joined by Aaron Torres, and he'll take us behind the curtain as to what we can expect, as this year's March Madness will be much different than anyone we've ever had a chance to watch in terms of protocol, scheduling formats, and we're going to ponder the unique nature of regular season schedules this year and how that might affect your bracket. Later on, after Brian Finley's update, we'll speculate on which schools might cut down the nets, the long shots, who the pros have fired on, and, well, that is which school not named Gonzaga or Baylor, which seem to be everybody's darling at this time. And, of course, as we close down the show with Mackinac Sports and plenty of data to twist your brain in knots, we've got the NBA All-Star Game tomorrow, and we'll take a close look at that. Sports are entertainment, but they're more than that. They are a shared experience. As such, people want to talk about them. You've come to the right place. We've got a lot to talk about tonight. This is Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. And as they say in Dave Winfield, Minnesota, it's going to be lit. Well, we are one week into the month of March. And what does that come? What does that bring to mind? Well, March Madness. That's the first thing that comes to my mind. And we were robbed last year. We were robbed of all the pomp and circumstance. We were robbed of an annual American tradition. We were all fired up, ready to go, but guess what? We'll never know what would have happened to San Diego State last year, had their best team maybe ever. Uh, We'll never know what would have happened to Dayton. We'll never know which team of destiny might have been the team of destiny or the team of destiny that was supposed to be the team of destiny, but they weren't, if you followed all that. Sometimes, you know what, sometimes it comes down to that. Sometimes you throw out the numbers and the records. This last week, there was a lot of chatter about the Miracle on Ice team, February 22nd, 1980. But everybody forgets in that, f- in that game against the Russians, that w- was actually before the gold medal game, well, the U.S. trailed 1-0, to 2-1, to and 3-2. to two, And they were outshot 39-16. to They were a team of, of destiny. Recently, this past week, I've heard a lot of radio shows talking about the greatest college basketball teams of all time. But no one mentioned Georgetown. There was a period in Georgetown between 1982 and 1985, three or four years, they came a whisker of winning three championships in four years by a total of three points. Now, they won it all in 84. They beat a good Houston team, five slamma jamma. And in 1982... They took Michael Jordan's North Carolina team all the way to the final buzzer, lost 63-62. And then in 85, they were a prohibitive favorite against a seventh seed, Raleigh Massimino's Villanova Wildcats, lost by two. They were a team of destiny, but they didn't win 
So they were not a team of destiny to win. We were robbed of that last year. How about the game in 2016, though, where Chris Jenkins hits the last-minute shot? It's one of those one-shining-moment highlights. I'll tell you what. You picture that, you Villanova fans? That needs to be framed and hung on the wall at the Louvre next to the Mona Lisa. Well, we were robbed of all that last year, and it's more than that. Okay, but not now. It's that time of year, March Madness. And for my money, Madness seems to be an apt name for the multitudes of of ecstatic fans who will ripple across America to watch this tournament. In fact, it goes well beyond the United States. I'm told Italian folks in Italy spend their nights glued to the TV screen to watch the American college teams battle, despite the nine-hour time difference between the United States and Italy. Now, I think that's cool because I'm Italian. Now, you ever wonder why we're so passionate about sports, why we're so glad they're coming back, especially March Madness? Well, why does someone else, watching someone else compete at the high level, give us such strong feelings? Even when our, our team or our favorite athlete, well, they're on the losing side, we crave more. And despite all the negative emotions, we can't wait for the next game, the next match, the next NCAA tournament, especially, especially if we've taken the time to wager a shekel or two on the whole affair. See, we live and die on the ups and downs. It creates the nervous tension we're addicted to. I've talked about this before, using baseball as an example. Every 15 seconds, there's a failure in baseball. The pitcher fails to throw a strike. The hitter fails to make contact. The fielder fails to make a play. The hitter fails to reach base. The vicious cycle repeats itself for three hours until someone wins the game. So it teaches us failure is never final and you can't reach the promised land without setback. Nothing exemplifies that more than March Madness. 68 teams enter. One remains. 20 gut-wrenching days later. This whole thing starts in our brain. Our brains contain mirror neurons, and these brain cells fire when we watch players that battle on the court, cutting across the defense with a no-look pass, shooting from the three-point line, blocking the shot of another player, a big slam dunk. These mirror neurons make us literally feel that we feel what the player is feeling, to a milder degree, of course. But see... In fact, our brains are reenacting internally what we watch. It's as if we are almost playing the game ourselves. In other words, many fans are living th- uh, through the players and teams vicariously. But that's not enough. We want more. For a lot of us, athletics have been an integral part of our lives since elementary school. No matter how far you advanced in your athletic career, it's usually never enough. So we examine how our treatment of athletes borders on hero worship. And how people go from being competitors themselves to becoming spectators who project their hopes, their fears, their passions onto those players that they watch. They even feel a kinship and unspoken fellowship with competitors on stage, people they've never even met. Now, having a bet on the game heightens the experience. So does filling out a bracket. It it, it enhances the viewing participation of the event. It feeds our competitive spirit. With all the buzzer-beating, one-and-done format that can turn unknown college kids into larger-than-life heroes and celebrated programs into jealous bridesmaids, March Madness is a broad, something-for-everybody appeal. Is anybody who's ever filled out a bracket for the office pool can attest. Fans feel as though they're sharing in something bigger than the games. The infectiousness of the underdog, the agony of defeat, 
the soul searching and the one shining moment. And yet, no matter how faithful their loyalty to their alma maters or how close they sit to the court, the fanatics always want to be one step removed, even closer from those who are actually competing. And this will always be the primary foil of the average fan. See, because only the athletes in the arena, they're really the only ones that can truly experience the magic. But balancing the two can be difficult for even the most well-adjusted spectators. For some, the thrill is grounded in seeing human outliers perform athletic feats that few can replicate. For others, nothing can top the collective high of getting together with your buddies and rejoining and gathering with one's like-minded kinfolk. And let's not poo-poo the David and Goliath aspect of these games. Everybody roots for an underdog. And with every underdog victory, you can bet people use it as fuel for their own lives, their own personal endeavors, athletically speaking or otherwise. With every buzzer beater, we are reminded anything is possible. With every vignette about the hardship of a player who never gave up in spite of his long-shot odds to just get on the floor, we are retold that we still are the authors of our own legacy. Now, in the end, few things in life can match the uniqueness of the month-long phenomenon known as March Madness. The lure of the unscripted outcome, the bragging rights of the winners, the constant reminders to onlookers that they are witnessing something that is far from ordinary. It's why we watch. It's why we've always cared. And it's why we always will. That's why, year in and year out, except for last year, March Madness continues to justify and elevate its own frenzy. And now, given the advent of legalized betting, that's going to amplify things even further. It's the essence of the rampant fanaticism of the big dance. Now, we've, of course, have known that here in Las Vegas for years. In the end, we expect this year there will be 149 million brackets from coast to coast filled out. Perhaps as many as 400,000 people descending upon Las Vegas, maybe not this year with COVID, but that's a typical year and a betting handle that actually now supersedes the Super Bowl. Of course, that it's because it's a three-week-long tournament, but regardless, you'll do a bigger handle than you will on the Super Bowl. So in the end, it's the nationwide appeal, the fierce rivalries, the bitter defeats, the sensational victories when it looked like all was lost, the hope. For a better day. In the end, March Madness is life. We were robbed last year, but it's back. By the way, we've still got conference tournaments to look forward to this week. Some playing games, Selection Sunday. And next Saturday night, I want to preview it now, Steve Fezzik will be in studio for the entire show. And we will, we will have what we call a March Madness extravaganza, much like our Super Bowl Eve extravaganza. Fez will talk about prop bets, theories, how to typically try to find a fade teams that are not fully motivated, like Florida State wasn't today, apparently, and uh, who might have a historic year. And we'll take a look at overs and unders in the first half and themes and trends that have played out over the years. See if we can't, in one hour next week, break down what will happen when the 68 teams are selected a week from tomorrow. Up next, Aaron Torres is going to join us to break down the 2021 version, COVID version, of the big dance. There's a lot of logistical weirdness and a lot of other things you might not have known 
that we're going to talk about that could affect who you think could win this thing and who might disappoint you. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. This is the pregame show you always wanted, so don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight Out of Vegas! The great Bernie Fratto, folks. I'm Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. We're coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-888-FARMERS to switch, and you can save a bundle on your auto insurance. All right, it's time to welcome in a gentleman. You hear him every Saturday night from 8 to 11 Pacific here with Arnie Spanier, and he is our college basketball guru here on the Fox Sports Radio Network. Say hello to Aaron Torres. Aaron, how are you, man? Bernie, I feel like uh, I feel like I just spoke to you, man. How you doing? Well, you're burning the candle at both ends, so you're bicoastal. So let's dive into this because this is going to be different than any other March Madness big dance tournament in history for obvious reasons. They'll select the field, but then there's a whole lot of hoops people have to jump through. And for starters, share with folks the COVID protocols and how fragile this thing is and what happens if somebody tests positive. Well, here, there's good news and bad news. The, the bad news is, is yes, we, we are still in this post-COVID world, and there are some weird protocols, okay? So what everyone needs to know is that next Sunday when the selection show comes out, they will give us our bracket of 68 teams, but then there's also going to be four alternate teams. So essentially it's a field of 68 plus four this year, And what's going to happen is those four teams will go back to campus and basically be on standby if in the first 48 hours after Selection Sunday, a team comes down with a bunch of COVID positives. And so we can get into the dynamics of the bracket, but the one good thing I would say, well, I'll I'll do the dynamics of the bracket because I know they're interesting, Bernie, but if we get past that that 48-hour threshold, or or, excuse me, within that 48-hour threshold and we have to replace a team, they will not redo the bracket. So if in a worst-case scenario, Michigan, as a number one seed, um, was not to be able to participate in the NCAA tournament, whoever was to replace them as the quote-unquote number 69 or 70 or 71 team in the tournament would slide into their bracket. And for, frank- for frankly, it's for people like the people who consume this show. It is so, uh, you know, the, the South Point and, South, uh, you know, Westgate and everybody doesn't have to refund bets uh, and, and redo brackets and everything as far as uh, why they will not redo the brackets. So, yes, you could see a scenario where Duke is the first team left out of the tournament and ends up as a number one seed. Now, what I would also say, and I, I hope that wasn't too confusing, but what I would also no, say... No, no, hey, let, let me jump in real quick because here's what's wacky about that to me. They're going to assemble, for lack of a better term, sort of this standby wait list and whoever's next yep. up. So for like, just for purposes of this conversation, if McNeese State is next up and the number one seed goes down, I'm not going to name a school, I'm not going to do that, then you've got McNeese State as the number one seed. That is just complete whackness to me. It is, but it's for the reason that I just said. It's because, in theory, you're going to start filling out that office pool on, on Monday. Uh, you're going to start making your bets Sunday night into Monday. And if a number one seed goes down, I mean, you're, you would have to redo the entire bracket um, to, 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 to change things. So it is wacky. It is bizarre. It is weird. 
What I would also say is I actually don't expect any teams to be eliminated because of COVID. And here's why. The way the NCAA set it up, travel is in such a way where there will essentially be no uh, there will be no contact tracing. Players are all have their own hotel rooms. They're all traveling six feet apart. Uh, so that is one thing. The other thing, and this is a trip, Bernie, the NCAA has said you only need five players to play an NCAA tournament game. So if somebody comes down with COVID and they're down to five players, the NCAA is still trying them out there, and you better hope you don't get anybody in foul trouble. So because of that, I don't think we're going to see too many teams, if any, pulled out of this tournament but if it happens it's going to be wacky man it really is it is all right Aaron before we get into some specific teams I'm going to give you sort of a rapid fire lightning round of choices as to who might upset Gonzaga or Baylor tell the folks that the entire tournament's going to be played in Indiana but various venues and give us your quick thoughts on that um, yeah, no, I'll, I'll be very brief because I know you want to get into to certain teams. Um, yeah, the entire tournament's in Indiana. Everybody flies in uh, either Saturday if they've already been eliminated from their conference tournament or, if excuse me, if they've already won their conference tournament, and then everybody else will fly in Sunday into Monday. Um, everybody plays in Indiana in the greater Indianapolis area. There's going to be some quirks. Like, for example, Indiana has fallen apart. The University of Indiana, IU, has fallen apart down the stretch here. They're going to be outside looking in on the NCAA tournament unless they make a deep run at the Big Ten tournament, all while NCAA tournament games are being played on their home floor. So the entire tournament is in Indianapolis. The schedule is different this year to to make sure that teams have enough negative tests before the, the, the actual event starts. But, yeah, once we get going, I think it's going to be high-quality basketball, but it's definitely going to be totally different than it's ever been. Now, we're talking with Aaron uh, Torres of Fox Sports Radio here every Saturday night with Arnie Spanier. By the way, for Duke to get in, they're going to have to replicate what your 2011 UConn Huskies did with Kemba Walker and win every game for like <laughs> That's a conversation for, for a different day. All right, let's just set aside Gonzaga and Baylor. They're everybody's darling for various reasons. Let's do a little lightning round here. I want to start with Alabama. I love Nate Oates. They can score like 200 points every game. Uh, they they play a, a pace that is incredibly difficult to play against. Uh, they, they've got their number one adjusted defensive efficiency. Uh, they launch threes like 30 a game. Can Alabama come out of nowhere and win this? I don't believe they can win the national championship. No, I think they're a really good team. I think they're playing at a re- – they played at an elite level early. They haven't quite been the same. They haven't been shooting the ball as well. To their credit, they actually have played pretty good defense. The box scores might not indicate it because they play at such a fast tempo, but they just haven't been the same, and, and part of it is they've had injuries. Uh, they're finally getting healthy now. Maybe I change my opinion if they have a strong run next week in Nashville at the SEC tournament. I think they're good. I don't think they're national championship good. All right, how about the defending champs? Everybody's forgotten that Virginia is actually the defending champ. I mean, they started really slow. They lost to USF. They got crushed by Gonzaga, but they've been pretty strong in quad one, quad two games. Does Virginia under Tony Bennett have a shot? I don't believe so, and ironically, it's because of the defense. The offense is better this year. Sam Hauser, a transfer from Marquette, has been really good. Trey Murphy, a transfer from Rice, has been really good. They got the big guy, Jack Salt, but they don't get a lot of stops on defense, believe it or not. So, to me, I think they're a solid team. Obviously, if you win the ACC regular season title, even in a down year, you're a good team. I don't believe they can win the national championship, though. 
All right, Illinois looks fabulous. NBA talent all over the place. Got it done again today. Great inside-outside duo. Your thoughts? thousand percent chance they, they can absolutely win the national championship. And they probably right now in Vegas, I believe, are the best value because some of those long shots, I, I don't believe they're going to need I, – I believe they'll need a lot of luck for it to happen. I think if Illinois just goes out and plays their game, they can play with and beat anybody. doesn't mean they will, but I absolutely think they can. I think they all but clinched a number one seed today. I truly believe those top four teams, Baylor, Gonzaga, Michigan, and Illinois, are a cut above everybody else. Uh, and I would not be surprised at all if Illinois wins at all. Let's talk about Michigan because they were a darling also until they got smoked by Illinois the other day. But I think that all goes away when the tournament starts. Can Michigan and Juwan Howard do it? It all went away the other night when they beat little brother Sparty over there. You know, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they might get in. Listen, Sparty might get in. I think. I think so too. And, and you know, listen. You know, you obviously know the markets, know the trends. I mean, it, I think there's a potential letdown for Michigan tomorrow against Michigan State in a rematch. Right. I don't know that I would pick Michigan State, but we saw how emotional Juwan Howard and his team were after winning the conference tournament. It was an incredible sight. Uh, but yes, Michigan is a darling. I think Juwan Howard is a darling. I always say he's the uh, he's everything Michigan fans thought they were getting in Jim Harbaugh when he was hired. Um, I love this team. You and I have talked about him on the air, off the air. Yeah. But the thing that I like about them really quick is they do the things that translate into the tournament. They rebound the ball really well. They defend really well. They're not reliant on one guy to go get them 20-25 a game. I love this Michigan team. All right, wrapping it up with Aaron Torres. Aaron, we've got about 30 seconds, so I'll put the gun to your head. You can have either Gonzaga or Baylor or the field, and who wins it all in your view? I get Gonzaga and Baylor or the field. Right. Honestly, if I, you know, listen, if I, if I was at the betting window, I would probably take the field because I think Michigan and Illinois are on that level. But I, I do still think it's those two teams' tournaments to lose. Baylor obviously bouncing back really nicely off of that loss the other day to Kansas. Uh, I would probably take the field, but I do still think everything runs through Gonzaga and Baylor, and you're probably going to have to beat one, if not both, to claim this national championship. Good stuff, Aaron. We'll have you on again. That is Aaron Torres, Fox Sports Radio. Thanks for coming on, Aaron. Appreciate you, Bernie. Thank you, man. All right, again, you hear Aaron every Saturday night here with Arnie Spanier from 8 to 11, entertaining the masses in a worldwide audience. All right, coming up, we're going to take a little bit more deeper dive into who some of the long-shot tournament sleepers are and who the pros have fired on, and I'll hit six teams that I think can do it. Not saying they will, but you never know. This is a wacky COVID year. But first... Well, let's go to the man. Well, he's kind of like the J.J. Watt of his high school. He was so tough, he'd sack the quarterback, and then he'd go after their family. It's Brian Finley with the latest. <laughs> yeah, and I think you're talking about flag football, by the way, Bernie. <laughs> no NBA on Saturday because, of course, the All-Star game taking place on Sunday. So it was college basketball. It was UFC, the two biggest stories coming out of sports on Saturday. And we start with UFC 259. Jan Blahovich reclaiming his light heavyweight title by trouncing Israel. Adesanya by unanimous decision. Adesanya, the middleweight title holder, gagged in his move up a weight class. Amanda Nunes plowing over Megan Anderson by submission in the first round to maintain the featherweight.
featherweight crown, and that was earlier in the card. In college basketball, fourth-ranked Illinois downsizes seventh-ranked Ohio State 73-68. to Ayo Dosumu had 19 points in his return. 12th-ranked Arkansas extends its SEC winning streak to 11 games after storming past Texas A&M. 87-80, Moses Moody put up 28 points. Meanwhile, North Carolina takes a power drill to Duke 91-73 as the Dukies face plant and fall to 11-11 on the season and their NCAA tournament hopes certainly up for grabs. 21st-ranked Virginia finishing out the ACC regular season with the title. The number one seed heading into the conference tournament after finishing off Louisville 68-58. That's a final score. The USC Trojans go into Westwood and take down the UCLA Bruins on a last second three by Taj Eady. That final score 64 to 63. The Bruins have lost three in a row. And the NASCAR Cup Series race is in Las Vegas. It is on Sunday on Fox TV at 3.30 p.m. Eastern time. And I only wish, Bernie, because I know you're in Vegas, that you would be driving the pace car. But you are setting the pace on this radio program. Back to you, my friend. And that is Brian the silver-tongued devil, Finley. All right. I can't wait till next Sunday and Selection Sunday. We've got a lot, you know, that will happen between now and then, but it's always fun to try to speculate who might knock off the two teams that clearly are at the top of the hill right now, Gonzaga and Baylor. And listen, they've passed the test, and earlier in the year, Gonzaga beat some pretty good teams handily. They've got possibly three first-round draft choices in that lineup. Mark Few manages to do it. They came close against North Carolina a couple years ago. They can finish the job. Baylor can finish the job. But as is often the case, someone comes out of nowhere, or maybe not even necessarily out of nowhere, because this is a six-game gauntlet, and all it takes is one off game. As Coach Izzo said it best, it's survive and advanced. I don't think there's going to be a situation where Gonzaga is just going to cruise through this thing, nor will Baylor. They're going to have to steal at least one game. Matter of fact, just quickly, down memory lane in 2000, when Coach Izzo won uh, his national championship uh, at Michigan State by beating Florida and Teddy Dupe, a very good college team, Mike Miller, Giannis Haslam, they almost didn't get out of the uh, Sweet 16 uh, they ran into a very good Iowa State team at the Palace of Auburn Hills. I covered that game. Uh, Iowa State led by about seven very late in the game, coached by Larry Eustacey. They had Jamal Tinsley, Marcus Pfizer, and Coach Eustacey had a bit of a tough uh, tizzy with the referees and got like a double technical and everything fell apart. And Michigan State stole that game. So you're going to have to steal a game. Now, there are some intriguing, really long-shot teams, and Arnie Spaniard talked about this a couple weeks. That I hadn't heard of this, but I found out they had a William Hill better in Nevada. Way back when, when you could get the Wolverines, Michigan Wolverines at 125-1, to 1, made a $1,000 wager at Michigan at 125-1. to 1. Well, Michigan's 6-1, to 1, so that guy's got some pretty good value. Here are three teams that are real long shots, but you just never know. I already told you about Villanova and 1985 in Raleigh, Massimino, and I don't think anybody thought Jimmy Valvano in 83 would beat five Slamma Jamma. Arkansas, 70-1. to Eric Musselman, his first year, a fabulous job. They're 21-5. and By the way, a great team against the number two. They're 17-7. and They're 70-1 to at William Hill to win their first NCAA since 1994. 
Arkansas, to me, is a very intriguing team that's quietly playing as well as almost anybody in the entire country because they're deep. They have nine players that average 12 minutes or more a game, and they can score from all five positions on the floor. They have a star. Now, their star is a freshman. His name is Moses Moody. He's a projected lottery pick. He's averaging about 17 points a game. But Arkansas has got plenty of balance. They're not really relying on just one guy. They've got seven players averaging eight points a game. Can't rule out Arkansas. West Virginia and Bob Huggins. Now, I know they got beat today. They're 40-1. to 1. All, all of their losses have been by less than five points. And they've proved they can win on the road because they've beaten Texas at Texas, one at Texas Tech, and one at Oklahoma State. That is a pretty good resume. And the one thing I've always believed about the big dance is you have to have elite guard play. Your tournament team has to have elite guard play if you're going to win six games in a row. Well, they're led by a guy named Deuce McBride. He's their point guard. By the way, he makes my all-name team as well. He can shoot the three, he can handle the rock, and he makes his free throws at crunch time. West Virginia's other guards also can fill it up from behind the arc, and they make their free throws. Insert your own 2008 Memphis John Calipari joke right here. Trust me, making free throws down the stretch is paramount. The Houston Cougars, now they're currently, well, by the way, they're 20-1, to 1, and they're currently the largest liability at the Westgate to win the NCAA title because recently they took a $10,000 bet to win three hundred grand at 30-1. to 1. They're now 20-1. to 1. Houston is kind of like Villanova, Texas Tech. Well, at one point, Oklahoma, but they've lost four in a row. I don't know what happened to them. Um, they're capable of making that title run. What you have to see is where Houston ends up and where they get placed in terms of their draws. There's just so much luck involved. There is. You've got to, you know, you might have a gauntlet that makes it much tougher than other teams, but if Houston gets the right draw, they can do it. I'm not saying they are, but they can do it. They've got a ton of talent. They're super athletic, and all of their guys can score. All of their guys can handle the ball and dribble. Plus, I actually like Kevin, Kelvin Sampson a lot. I, I think he he's a winner. Uh, he wins everywhere he goes. This would be their third straight conference championship. And we talked about this a little bit with Aaron. Virginia, everybody's forgotten because it's been so long. Well, they're the defending champs, and they started very slow. They lost to USF, terrible loss. They got crushed by Gonzaga. But since then, Tony Bennett and his group, well, they've, they've been very strong in quad one and quad two games. They're not that super slow down defensive team that they were three years ago, two years ago. Can you count Virginia out? No. I'd be surprised if they won it. Oklahoma, had we were having this conversation 10 days ago. By the way, another fabulous job by Lon Kruger, Hall of Fame coach. Oklahoma was picked sixth to, to finish sixth in their conference, and they've had a terrific year. They've lost four in a row. They're scuffling. They don't look to me like they're a contender anymore. But 10 days ago, I thought they were. Alabama is a team to watch. Nate Oates, he came over from Buffalo, Detroit guy. Dude, they're, I, don't know, they're, I don't know what they have for breakfast, but their offense is so fun to watch. They've scored at least 115 points more than once, this, or at least once this year. They can score 100 in any game. Here's the thing. Their style of play and their pace is very difficult to play against. They're number one in adjusted defensive efficiency. And the other thing about Alabama, they launch 33s a game. They play hard. They play fast. They are dangerous. Alabama, don't write them off. 
I just talked about Houston, Illinois. They, I'll tell you, you talk about NBA talent. They crushed Michigan the other day. They follow up today with a very impressive win at Ohio State. Great inside-outside duo. This is what I'll say about Illinois. Man, they really looked the part. Great job by Brad Underwood this year. All right, Ohio State. I think Chris Holtman is one of the top coaches in the country. Five straight NCAA tourney bids since coming over from Butler. Ohio State's a legit contender. I don't know if they can win six in a row, but they are a legit contender. And then last but not least, the Michigan Wolverines. They play very hard. Their team concept is beyond excellent. It's one of the best in the country. They rebound, they defend, and they've got plenty of skill. And they're very well coached with Juwan Howard. The thing about Michigan, you know, much like Ohio State and Illinois and some of the other teams I mentioned, they have kept fast company. They had that quirky situation a few weeks back where they missed like 11, 12 days in a row, and then they came back and thumped Wisconsin at Wisconsin in the second half. So there you have it. Look, this is a wide-open tournament. None of us really know what's going to happen, but it's going to be fun to watch. Again, next Saturday night, we'll have Steve Fezzik in. For the entire show, we'll have a, a March Madness extravaganza and speculate on who gets into the dance, and we'll speculate further on various prop bets, things to look for, first-half totals, and we'll run the full gamut as, as much as we can squeeze into an hour, and that'll be next Saturday night with Steve Fezzik in studio. Coming up, you know him, you love him. You can't live without him. It's Mackinac Sports. Oh, yeah, there's another basketball game tomorrow. It's called the NBA All-Star Game. And, of course, we'll uh, take you behind the scenes and look at some oddball angles in that game as well. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call 1-88-FARMERS and you could save a whole lot of something on auto insurance. This is the pregame show you always wanted. So don't go away. You're listening to Straight Out of Vegas. Straight out of Vegas! One of the best in the business, Bernie Fratto. We are back on Straight Out of Vegas, the pregame show you always wanted. I'm Bernie Fratto coming to you live from the Farmers Insurance Fox Sports Radio Studios. Call Farmers today for a quote. All right, before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team back in Los Angeles. That would be... Silver Tongue Devil, Brian Finley, the pride of Detroit, Chris Perfett, and of course, Ryan Bershinger, the host, co-host, along with Bo Benson, of the Swing Shift podcast. All right, you know him, you love him, you can't live without him. We do this segment every week at the end of the show, Mackinac Sports with Mackenzie Rivers. Mackenzie, there will be an all-star game, an NBA all-star game tomorrow in Atlanta. And what I think people have forgotten is they debuted a new format last year, and it's a very quirky idiosyncratic format, not like a regular NBA season game. Refresh everybody's memory as to how they're going to play this contest tomorrow. Yes, sir. Lost in all the madness last March was how just successful and different the Elam ending was for the All-Star game. And what the Elam ending is, is at the very end of the game, you turn off the clock and anyone who's ever played pickup understands this format very well. There's a target number. Most of us played to 21 growing up or 11, ones and twos. But in this case, it's going to be 24 points higher than whoever has the leading score at the end of the third quarter. And remember, Bernie, this was a tremendous success last year because we, we've been going through all-star game of all-star game that was complete clown shows, no competition, 340, 350 points scored. 
This fourth quarter last year with the Elam ending actually looked like a real fourth quarter. Only 55 points scored in the quarter. Right. You had defense the entire game. Remember, Kyle Lowry took a charge. There were people complaining about calls. It was like a real NBA basketball game only in the fourth quarter when they turn off the clock and say play to a certain number. No, it's very true. And you have to wonder if that affects, for instance, the total tomorrow. It opened up at 308.5, 309. It's been steamed to 314. You know, McKenzie, there's not a lot of defense in the All-Star game, but there will be some competitiveness, I think, as you get toward the end of the game. I've always believed one of these years, and I'm not predicting it at all, the game's going to go under. How does this format affect how you might bet the total? Competition in general leads to intensity, leads to lower totals. My favorite All-Star game ever was only 111 to 110. It was that scrappy 2001 Allen Iverson-led East team that shocked the world and beat the West with Kobe and Shaq and KG and all of them. And I think we're going to get that again. I think we're going to get a situation where the pride is going to come in at the end of the day. Last year, this total only ended 312, and that's with a huge crowd, 94 points scored in the first quarter. Yes, huge first half, too. Yes, huge first half, and we've seen it year after year. This year, without the crowds to kind of rev it up, kind of have that dunk contest feel, three-point contest feel early in the game, I think we're going to get much lower scoring quarters early, and I think we're going to, again, see a tough, intense fourth quarter. That's why I love the the under. They're begging for under money right now. It's been 307, 308, now 314 at some places. I'm willing to go on the other side of that wager. I am willing to bet the under when it seems like nobody else wants to. Well, clearly the books are going to need the under. That's what it seems like because it's been nothing but over money. But at halftime, there's going to be a little thing called the dunk contest. Now, there isn't going to be any spud web or there isn't going to be (laughs) any high-profile names. But Obi Toppin, who he's what averaging about two minutes a game for the Knicks, <laughs> two, two and a half. But I but I love Obi Toppin. I loved him at Dayton last year. Right. Anthony Simmons and Cassius Stanley. Well, you think I think you've got a, a your eye on somebody who's who's probably a prohibitive favorite to win this thing, and there's pretty good plus money. Yeah, you can still get him at plus 180. I love Obi Toppin to go ahead and take this contest. Someone hit me up on Twitter today talking about a little conspiracy theory. So Robert Covington is an alumni of a HBCU. This All-Star Game is going to be all about promoting and celebrating the HBCUs we see in Atlanta and other places. And I'm like, yeah, that's a good theory, except the shooting, co- the skills competition is a timed clock race. There's no judges. There's no reason or input for the conspiracy theory to come through with the dunk contest. It's a hundred percent fan crowd media opinion. Remember when Blake Griffin brought that Kia jumped out over he, a Kia. Jumped, yeah. Nobody else got to jump over he a Kia. That he, contest. he can't jump over a cardboard <laughs> box now. Hey, That's by the true. way, oh, Zero we've dunks only, in 2020, we've Blake only Griffin. got about a minute. I'm having nothing to do with the dunk contest because it's, it's based on judges and nothing to do with the uh, with the skills contest, however, there's a prop ad here that's kind of caught my eye. Kawhi Leonard, he's he's going to be playing for Team Durant, and Luke is going to be playing for Team uh, LeBron. And there's a prop, head-to-head prop, who will score more points? Currently, Kawhi's minus one twenty. And I love Kawhi in this prop. He's actually kind of like the perfect all-star player if you're looking for points because he has zero flash about his game. If he sees an open three, he doesn't do a little dance or behind-the-back dribble. He just shoots an open three, and he's actually cashed money in these games. He he made eight of his first nine three-pointers last year. On the other hand, Luca, he's all about the about the flash. He's about the alley oops. He's about doing things to, you know, kind of get the crowd involved. I think he's gonna be a great all-star player throughout his career. 
but Kawhi is a guy, a veteran that they're going to keep in the game late in the stretch versus on the other side with Luca on LeBron's team. You got Chris Paul, Steph Curry, Damian Lillard. I don't think Luca's going to be on the court when it, when the, when it's, when it's crunch time. Therefore right. I love Kawhi to score the more points in this prop. All right, McKenzie, good stuff. That's going to do it for this week's edition of Straight Out of Vegas. I'm Bernie Fratto. Next up, Chris Plank, the man from Oklahoma. He's in for Jason Martin. Keep it locked right here on Fox Sports Radio. Straight out of Vegas!